0: Let us pray. Most gracious God, we give thanks for your faithful word who abides in us. Help us to abide likewise in your word. Help us to hear your word, be nourished upon your word, trust your word, and follow your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our Old Testament reading comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. He expected it to yield grapes. But it yielded wild grapes. And now inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah. Judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard. That I have not done in it. When I expected it to yield grapes. Why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste It shall not be pruned or hoed, and it shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. He expected justice, but saw bloodshed, righteousness, but heard a cry. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The scripture you heard from Isaiah spoke of how God planted the people of God as, as God's choice vineyard, prepared perfectly for abundant, good, vibrant fruits of faithfulness. And it didn't happen. The vineyard brought forth wild fruit, also translated bad fruit, dry fruit. The people did not flourish in their love of God and their love of neighbor. They failed time and again. And so then we come upon John chapter 15. Where Jesus declares that he himself is the true vine of God. He is the vine who is truly obedient and loving. It's no longer the people of God who are, who are hoped for and expected to be that vine, but Jesus and the people, the church, we are the branches. This is the sixth and final sermon in a series called The Church where we've been looking at different images in the New Testament related to the church, who we are, what we're to be about. And today's image, church as branches of the vine, uh, speaks to our most fundamental source of life. Hear now God's word from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit, Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Last summer, we went out to Utah for my sister in law's wedding. It was a wonderful event and weekend. And for the rehearsal dinner, they invited everyone out to this farm located about an hour outside of Salt Lake City. And this farm had a large barn on it that had been converted into a venue for hosting weddings. They used the long center portion for a long table. They used the stalls on either side of that, that long stretch for where the, the stalls where horses and cows used to be for, for more tables and chairs. And then on either side of this long extending barn, they'd open the doors so that as you sat there and partook in the meal, you could see the expansive farm and the crops running in both directions. It was beautiful. And, of course, this sort of choice, as many of you know, has become more and more popular in recent years. Whether it's the wedding itself or the rehearsal dinner or the reception afterwards, more and more people who are getting married have interest in this taking place in barns on farmland. And sure, some couples, they choose this kind of venue because maybe one of them grew up on a farm. They've got some family with farmland. But as a pastor who officiates a good number of weddings, mostly what I see is that it is people with no connections to a barn and have never really been on a farm. They're the ones looking to do this whole thing on the farm. What is that all about? Why are so many people drawn back to the farmland on the space, as the space on which they are to make these most sacred vows? I imagine there could be any number of, of good reasons, but part of me wonders if maybe it is simply that the pace and way of the land tells an essential truth that we want present at our weddings. Maybe it's largely unconscious for most, but I wonder if we don't recognize there, there, there is something about the way the land nourishes crops and and, and the manner in which crops grow that, that speaks truthfully to us about how love grows. And so it speaks truthfully about the way we hope our own relationships and marriages might grow and might flourish. I mean, in John 15, Jesus certainly employs agricultural imagery to get at the heart of how we grow and even flourish as followers of Jesus. For Jesus, it, this imagery most definitely speaks to a fundamental truth around growth and flourishing. And while there is so much more, even in these eight verses, than we're going to be able to cover in our time together today, the basic equation Jesus puts forth for church growth is deceptively simple I am the vine. I am the ever-abiding, ever-present source of life and love, mercy and justice. I am the vine who remains in you, with you. And you, you are the branches. You are that which grows from me insofar as you remain connected to me. And in time and with some pruning... There's a harvest of fruit, and when Scripture talks about fruit, one of the more comprehensive and concise lists comes from Galatians five, chapter uh, chapter five, verses twenty two and twenty three. You heard the words sung minutes ago: the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit birth of a people who remain in the vine, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. That's discipleship, that's growth, that's the fruit. And in one sense, it it is so simple. The singular thing the branches need to do is abide in the right location, remain in the right location, be rooted in, connected in, grounded upon the vine. One of my favorite things to do at rehearsal dinners, and, and in Utah this was no exception, is I like to take a moment and, and watch the couple who is about to get married. Because you know how often they, they, in these events they have so little time to actually talk and connect because they're talking and connecting with everybody else. But inevitably, throughout the night, the couple has a way of of leaning toward one another with just this knowing glance, or this knowing smile, a look that only they can read that says so much. Maybe there's a few words, maybe there's not, but, but you know that moment, and it speaks to the intimacy of love. The words may be few, the look, the motion may be oh so subtle, but it reveals the depth of the relationship, doesn't it? I mean, you can't just manufacture genuine words of love. You can't manufacture a look that suddenly has two people deeply, intimately connecting in an unspoken way. No, that that takes time. That takes months and years of intentional conversation and listening, talking, arguing, forgiving... Abide in me, remain in me, stay connected to me. Those are all various ways that speak to keeping the relationship with Jesus. Abide in me speaks of keeping a conscious connection with Jesus, his person, his way. And he already abides in us. We don't have far to go. And just like walking into a rehearsal dinner for a couple who is deeply in love, even if they're not even doing all that much connecting in and at that moment, people know when they walk into a gathering of church where where the people have been abiding in the source of love and life for some time. It may be subtle, it may be small, it may be simple, but things add up and you you can just tell. And yet... As beautiful a thought as that, the truth is many of us struggle mightily to be the kind of branches who abide faithfully, regularly, joyfully. And maybe it's because we just get busy. Or we forget, or honestly other things are of more interest right now. But I wonder if at root many of us struggle as branches to abide because we know intuitively how much branches that abide have to give up. This is where the land teaches us so much of the truth. The branches that abide in the vine, they are no longer in control of the pace of growth. The branches that abide in the vine are no longer in control of the direction of growth. The branches that truly abide in the vine, they don't determine how long their reach of influence will be ultimately, how thick a shade they may be able to provide, how abundant their fruit will be, or even precisely which variations of fruit will really grow into life. And the branch that abides does not control when the best time is for the necessary pruning, or how much pruning is ideal And then, on top of the branch that abides, losing so much control over so much, the vast majority of the time, the branch itself cannot even tell that it is growing, nor can anyone else. Much of the time, growth in the vine feels like waiting. And actually, the moment you feel like something might be starting to bud, pruning. It's no wonder... We branches are sometimes tempted not to remain in the vine. We are far more comfortable at being in charge of our lives and in charge of, of the church because we're a can-do society. We, we can. We can grow ourselves. We can grow our names. We can grow our products with the right opportunities, the right social media campaign, the right website, a little more capital. We can make this thing grow. We can grow our children with the right schools, the right opportunities. You know, we can. We can grow the church. A little more money, some relevant updates to the building and and the branding and the website, some helpful books, some good service opportunities that that are attractive to a wide swath of folks. We We can grow this. And yet, have you ever watched an adult or a couple who believes they can grow their child if they just can get them to all the right sports and arts and music? Have you watched a church that that is sure more and more people will will flow in with, with growth if we can just nail the programs, get the books just right, the best speakers on board, the best music, a wide array of programming that attracts folks of every generation? Have you ever been that person, you are so good at multitasking, you making things go for the family, for yourself, for the company, for the, how often in our society do we talk about being overextended, branches trying to grow further and faster than we're really able or should or can. They're weak and they're flimsy branches because they've extended themselves overly so beyond the source from which they need nourishment. They are brittle branches. They are susceptible to bending and breaking and getting sick because they are far from the nutrient source for which they are made. And even branches that are apart from the vine for which they are made, when they do happen to, boy, they really do grow the product. They really do grow the number of members. They really do grow their budget, their income. How many branches have we seen that really do appear to to grow some things of note? Why does their income not seem to match their maturity? They have so much, they do so much, but of the enduring quality, fruit, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. I don't see it. Are any of us overextended branches? Or another phrase we sometimes come up with when we are hustling there and running here and there and trying to make things go for ourselves and grow for ourselves, go for others and grow for others. We sometimes use that phrase, burnout. Where did we get that phrase? Maybe Jesus. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned and sometimes we read that and we envision God proactively taking a bunch of disobedient followers and sort of flinging them into the fire but as a number of commentators underscore on this passage there's a sense here that that Jesus is just really telling the truth about what happens to us here and now when we overextend ourselves apart from the one true source of life we dry up we grow thin and weak we are kindling for fire and when A small, dry kindling is sitting there, and a spark of danger or challenge arises too long away from the source of nourishment, and we inevitably burn out. It's little wonder, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing in this same section. For for truly it is nothing if we extend ourselves in dozens of ways and efforts only to burn out. Are there any overextended branches or just some burnt out branches in the midst today? The fruit of of not abiding right in that central relationship and truth be told church leaders elders and deacons being ordained this day church leaders are especially susceptible to the threat of burnout because we want the church to grow and thrive and, and some ache for a time not so long ago in the church when, when it had more people and more influence or, or we just we long for the church to be the beautiful life changing mature kind of people we're made to be and so we start running and surveying and extending ourselves in whatever way we can do to make it go and grow. We do more and more with less and less. How susceptible leaders especially are to forgetting the truth that the land speaks. Abide in me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit By itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You are not in control of the pace or the rate or the direction of the growth, nor even the size and type of the fruit God wants to birth through you. Just abide in me. I think for many of us, those words come today to us like an invitation to a farmland wedding. Amid all the concerns we bring into this sanctuary, all of our aches, our pains, our to do lists, our fretting, our keeping up, comes this invitation to go and stand upon the land in that singular space from which fruit flourishes and God's timing, and God's direction. Implicit in any wedding invitation we receive in the mail is that we drop our other stuff to be present. Abide in me, then, is also an invitation to let go of the expectations we have about ourselves, about our church, about our fellow church members, and instead simply be nourished upon the one who already abides in us and with us and trust his pace, his way. How important, especially on this day of all days, when there are going to be sacred vows of ordination taken by some officers and many others here who have made those same ordination vows. And I wonder if the church does not have the same hunger as so many couples in our day and age. When it comes to making those most sacred of vows, we want to do so rooted in the right place so that whatever is birthed in whatever direction, it would flourish with beauty and life for the long haul. You know, during the, the meal in that barn located on the Utah farm, they served us a salad. And when they did, one of the staff there stood up and explained that this and that and the salad are grown right here on the farm. And then, and then she says, and the lettuce, that lettuce right there, that's the bed of your salad, that was picked just this morning, that was prepared just this afternoon, and now it is yours. And you hear this collective, oh wow, how amazing. Betraying the fact that every single person there was from the suburbs and the city. But we ate it, and it was, it was simple, green lettuce. It was good. It was really good. Even people who rarely set foot on the soil of a church, they know when they taste and receive genuine, fresh from the vine, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, they know the simple wonder of genuine love. May we stand again upon the land. May we make our sacred vows to follow Jesus. And through us, May the world taste and see the goodness of our Lord. Amen.